time for a weekly health update. Here's vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who joins us once again. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. All right. To start the week, the rules change for unvaccinated Canadian travelers. As we head into the summer travel season, was the timing right to medically uh, for these uh, rules to change, do you think? They're getting more and more confusing. Is the timing right? They're trying to balance the horrible waits that are happening at borders and, you know, hopefully increase our travel a little bit, both outside and within the country. But it is getting confusing. So basically, let me try to simplify what the current rules are for people, because this is a big deal. So if you're vaccinated, you don't need to test, you don't need to quarantine, whether you're Canadian or not. Now, everyone still has to use the Arrive Can app. And you still have to use masks on planes and trains. So those are both things. The big changes here are the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated still have to test. So for the unvaccinated who are leaving Canada, it's a quarantine still in place for 14 days when they return. You know, and they still have to do all kinds of testing. They have to test with a rapid antigen test the day before they go. And they need three PCR tests. So it's the unvaccinated where it's still a pretty tough, the unvaccinated Canadian. Now, the, if somebody's not vaccinated and they're non-Canadian, they're actually denied entry still. So let me ask you, because, uh, you know, the uh, conversation has been since these uh, rules changed about that two-week quarantine, 14 days for unvaccinated travelers who travel internationally. Is that necessary? Why is that necessary? Because obviously that is still a big hurdle for those that are unvaccinated to uh, travel abroad because, uh, you know, they've just been on vacation and it's kind of hard to ask for another two weeks off uh, from work, of course, uh, to then uh, quarantine. Why uh, does that make sense from a scientific or, or medical standpoint? It makes a lot of sense because we're worried about bringing even more variants of concern in. And that's a serious problem because we've already seen that BA2, BA4, and BA5, we're, we're looking at variants of concern that are far more transmissible. So if we have variants of concern that are more contagious coming in, it could easily overwhelm our already overwhelmed systems. And I'm not talking about just hospitalizations and ICUs. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about family practice. We know there's a big mismatch a mismatch between what the test positivity is telling us, because we're simply not doing nearly enough tests, nor are we keeping track of them anymore. They're frankly landing in family doctor's offices by the droves right now. And that's creating a huge backlog just to get into family doctor's offices. And that's a serious problem. So if there were even more variants of concern coming in because unvaccinated people are potentially bringing them in, that's a serious problem. True, the vaccines aren't perfect. We know they're not. And hopefully when we have, if, we, if that Moderna vaccine, that bivalent vaccine that's Omicron-specific gets approved this fall, well, hopefully we'll see a big decline in the number of cases we're seeing now. All right. In the meantime, we continue to learn more about long COVID. You and I have uh, spoken about this on several occasions, and there's a new study out that suggests women are more likely to develop long COVID. What more can you tell us about this? Fascinating study sponsored by Johnson & Johnson, the pharmaceutical company. And they looked at 1.3 million people with long COVID. So this is a huge study. 
And what did they find? Yes, women are a little bit more likely, but let's not overstate it. For every five men who have long COVID, there are about six women who get it, a little bit more than six. And what's fascinating about the study is that they not only found that women were a little more likely, they found that the symptoms that women tend to get are different than the long COVID symptoms that men tend to get. So long COVID symptoms, so we've heard about the fatigue, the muscle pain, the joint pain, the loss of smell and taste. As it turns out, women are more likely to experience fatigue, more likely to suffer from ear, nose, throat problems, the loss of smell and taste, more likely to have problems with diarrhea and constipation in the long run than men are. Men have a little more tendency to get problems like diarrhea and kidney dysfunction, kidney damage. So there is a difference. Now, the big question is, why would that be? Why would women have a different set of symptoms than men when it comes to long COVID? Answer, we don't know. Could there be hormonal reasons? Could it be because of a more robust immune response in women? Could it be that we women are working in higher risk professions like nursing or teaching or more likely to be caregivers to elders or children. We actually don't know that, but it is an interesting study that has tremendous public health implications because we know, you know, that, this, that from this study, it would appear the long COVID symptoms are quite different. And do we have any idea just how long long COVID is, if you will? Are we close to any sort of a timeline? Is this something that uh, some of these symptoms that uh, could, unfortunately, sadly, stay with somebody uh, for, for a lifetime? Uh, uh, do we know? Can you uh, get over long COVID? Does everybody get over it? Well, it's way too early to be talking about a lifetime in long COVID. And I tell my own patients who are suffering from it, we really don't know the exact trajectory. One thing is it's unique to the individual, but overall, overall, it does get better over time in the aggregate. It's too premature to say it's going to get better in absolutely everybody. But in the aggregate, it does tend, the numbers really do fall off as you reach three months, six months. But we do have a number of people who've suffered from symptoms for years now. Now, what makes it complicated is also the fact that the variants are not identical. Let's consider just the risk of long COVID, say, from Omicron. The risk of long COVID from Omicron is probably around half that of previous variants, something like that. That's probably the best data we have. You know, it might be as much as 1 in 15, but compared to 1 in 10 pre-Omicron. You know, so could it be that the next variant of concern we're going to have, perhaps in the fall, the variant we haven't seen yet, is going to be worse or better? We, we just don't know. But there are a lot of moving parts. And variant one is not the same as variant two. So we'll have to wait over time to see what the data show. All right. We've got to step aside and get a break. When we come back, more with Dr. Gorfinkel. We're going to talk about uh, some concern in B.C. regarding uh, Canadian vaccines that are set to expire. And we'll also talk about an innovative new program launching in the United States to cut down on smoking. Details on that coming up after this break here on The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. 
All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.